Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. everybody it's gary youtube here from cultaholic wrestling back once again to do some more gary youtubing this time in the form of a tier list thing here to discuss shocking all in capitals hopefully in the title because that's how youtube works shocking aew debuts i'm joined once again by yet another gary youtube this time who has the hat and the body and the soul of jack from cultaholic how are you doing I'm not too bad. Gary, how are you? Absolutely stunning. It's a tantalising there. Don't know why I said tantalising. There we go. <laughs> I just can't wait to get going. Sam, hit the intro. So just in case you haven't been here before, we have 20 debuts, 20 historical shocking debuts from the past in AEW. We're going to put them in several tiers, ranking from the best to lovely, 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 to all right, to just about bearable, to get in the bin. And we're kicking things off, Jack, with the reason we're here today, because the most recent Dynamite to the one where sat here, the June the 4th, 2021 episode of Dynamite, we saw the debut of Andrade del... Sorry, I did that wrong. Andrade el idolo... Mm-hmm. That's right. That's how she said it. Andrade so, El Idolo. So are you immediately, <clears throat> excuse me, are you immediately thinking one of the bottom two tiers for this one, unfortunately? It was. I. It was shades of previous, because there was a period of time earlier on in AEW history where they just couldn't get a debut right. They just sort of threw them out there and just banked on a big pop, maybe. Or yeah. like it, was, it was shades of this one again, just in case you haven't seen it at home. We had Mark Henry in the ring doing an interview, uh, like an introduction and interview segment to, uh, to AEW, something that was supposed to happen at Double or Nothing 2021, apparently. I was reading on the old dirty sheets this week, but they had no time, so they moved it to the Dynamite after the pay-per-view. Uh, Vicky Guerrero interrupts that interview segment. She cuts a promo. She speaks some Spanish. Everyone in the arena has no idea what she's saying because then Andrade walks out. And while the pop, it was like, do you remember from the podcast, the Bobby Lashley pop from after WrestleMania, whatever Whoa. it was? It was a Bobby Lashley <clears throat> pop, but it was a bit of a mess, wasn't it? It was a little bit. I think that, in a way, the fact that nobody quite got what she said helped because then when he walked out, it was actually a big surprise. Whereas if she'd just gone, here's Andrade, it would have been a bit... That would have been the pop rather than him walking out. I yeah. don't know why they structured it that way in the first place, to be honest. Why couldn't he have been a big surprise? Yeah. I would have liked to have seen an angle like set up there and then. But then again, on one hand, there's that. You, you, you want like a proper angle to set him off in a proper direction on AEW. On the other hand, you have us sat here now going, what does it mean? What does Vicky Guerrero have in store for Andrade? Other than that, in a stable with Nyla Rose, that makes us tune in next week to find out what's going on. I personally didn't like it though. It just felt like a bit sort of, bit sort of like a, an afterthought. A bit like, oh, he's, he's here today, is he? Oh, we'll just do it tonight, tonight then. 
Yeah, definitely. It definitely yeah. felt like that. And when it's like the biggest free agent at the minute, apart from Braun Strowman, probably, then it's like it should be a bigger deal. So for me, it's definitely one of the bottom two. I just can't decide which one because the pop was big. It yeah. was exciting when he did actually walk out. I reckon the pop, the Bobby Lashley-esque pop, and uh, the sort of questions that were unanswered saves it from the bin. I'll go just about bearable. I reckon it could Fair have been a lot, a lot better than it was. What do you reckon? I agree with that. I agree. Moving on to Matthew James Cuthbert Hardy, who was a real victim of the sort of early pandemic era of AEW, because if there's one thing we learned from Matt Hardy's AEW debut is that a crowd really did make the broken Matt Hardy gimmick. Yeah, a lot as well, a lot. Um, you could argue that maybe the pandemic would have helped with some of the supernatural elements. You know, the fact that there was no live crowd means you can do more magic, but yeah. like the like the teleporting around. But then you pointed out once on the podcast that it, at one point he just changed between characters by just going like, <laughs> yeah, that was poor. That was really, really poor. That. Uh, what was his actual debut? What happened on his actual debut? So I can't was, quite remember. It was the segment where he was just like, he appeared at the top of the ramp. Chris Jericho was in the ring, wasn't he? It was this, they, they did oh. it quite cleverly because it was the same night that Brody Lee debuted in AEW. And everyone was sort of speculating that Matt Hardy was going to be the, the exalted one in the, in the Dark Order. That got yeah. revealed to be Bro, uh, Brody Lee. And I think it was later on the night, I might be wrong here, uh, that Matt Hardy appeared because obviously just jumping around in the in the, in the Terraces at Daly's place. That that rings a bell. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. You're right. The big the big talking point for me in that one is that it would have been a lot better with a with a full crowd there. Yeah. I remember when it happened, like the day after making videos for for this channel, that I was really happy with how the debut went. I think I'm right in saying that it was a long, long time ago, especially okay. in the pandemic era. But um, I'd say it's certainly a step up from Andrade's because at least oh, we had we had some yeah. substance to it. It wasn't just Matt Hardy walking out going, oh, <laughs> I'm here. I'm the face of AEW, which is the promo that everybody cuts these days. It's either I'm the face of insert promotion here or this is the insert era. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I definitely agree that it was better than Andrade's. He also confronted Jericho, who was one of the biggest stars in AEW, so it put him right. It immediately made him really important. Uh, and then was it because he was teaming up with the elite in the stadium, the first stadium stampede? Yeah. Yeah, right, okay. Um, I, I'm tempted to go for either all right or lovely, lovely, lovely. We'll go top of all right because I reckon we have better ones to come. Okay. But the beauty of the tier list is, everybody, this isn't the final ranking. The final ranking happens right at the end so we can move things around if we're fancy. That's how it works. Okay. Isn't it? Next up, we have Jake Hager. We're going all the way back to the first ever episode of AEW Dynamite. We have a massive brawl at the end of the show where all kinds of people are attacking Cody and Dustin Rose. This, of course, was to set up the sort of first part of the inner circle. And then <laughs> Cody's in there, Dustin's in there. It looks like Cody and Dustin have sort of got the upper hand against Chris mm. Jericho and Sammy Guevara's out there. He kicked Cody in the nuts. Dustin then kicked Sammy in the nuts. It looks like Cody and Dustin are doing it for the roads and all that stuff. The factory, the nightmare family, all of that good there stuff. But then out comes Jake Hager, who I think ran through the crowd, which must have been some... Some spectacle to behold, just the size of that man, just watching him yeah. run through a crowd of people. He just got in the ring, he delivered a couple of massive moves to Dustin and to Cody, and he just stood there with one hell of a look on his face, as if to say, my God, this is what a pop for me sounds like. It's been that <laughs> bloody long. I'm confused at what's going on here. It's been that long since five-star wrestling. <laughs> uh, I remember at the time being really excited for the first episode of Dynamite, thinking, right, they've had... This good run of, obviously they had the few pay-per-views first, Double or Nothing was class, and then the other ones were all right, but they weren't, you, you got a sense that they need more regular content 
content, knitting everything together. So the TV show came around at a perfect time. I was so excited for that first episode. The Sammy turn was great. And then when the big reveal was Hager, I remember being like, oh, I was really, really disappointed. And I was totally proven wrong because I was worried that Hager was going to become like a big single star, like winning belts and stuff. But I think they've used him perfectly as a henchman rather than as the focal point. So at the t- I don't know how to rank this then because at the time I was like, oh, this is bad. This is a bad decision. But moving forwards, I was quickly proven very wrong. I tell you, it is weird, isn't it? Because I was th- immediately I was thinking, oh my god, it's going to be like WWE Mark II here. They're just bringing in all the former WWE people. Because I thought that Jake Hager was a really weird one to kick off on the first ever Dynamite, just because he was so like woefully used for the final however many years it was of his uh, yeah. his WWE run. So having mm. come in and beaten up Cody, who was obviously one of the faces of AEW, was a weird message to send off on the on the first Dynamite. But then you remember that Jake Hager is not only like six foot six. He's also like an amateur wrestler. He's obviously a cage fighter. He's a big, strong boy. It's not really his fault the way he was booked in WWE, is it really? It's, it's down to Vince McMahon sort of misusing this massive, yeah. hard man. When you think, I know he's got no charisma, but that's what makes him so fantastic, in my opinion. They've used him far, <laughs> far. Yeah, they've used him far, far better. Yeah. I remember another factor that made me really disappointed was that this happened quite shortly, maybe a few months after the the latest season finale of Lucha Underground, which turned out to be the last episode that we've ever seen, where Hager, like, took over the show and won the bet. It was just out of nowhere as well, and I was thinking, oh, is this his thing now? Is he just going to promotions and <laughs> spoiling everything? Yeah. But, no, but it, it all turned out really well, actually. So, I don't think we can give it a bad a bad ranking. It's I think lo- they've proven that it's it was lovely, all right. Lovely, 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 too high. It was a mm. shock. It was a, The pop is amazing. <clears throat> It's more of a Brother Love-esque pop than a Bobby Lashley pop from the, the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, man. I'm really struggling with this one. Because, I, I don't know, because of the occasion, the first ever Dynamite and stuff, maybe that pushes it in a lovely, lovely, lovely. Maybe. Go on, we'll Live crowd helped as well. It was a huge pop for Jake Hager. And he looked good as well. He delivered a massive mm. move to Dustin Rhodes, which always looks impressive, because Dustin is a really long man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put it in lovely, lovely, lovely again. Come to the end of the video, we might move it down. Who knows what might happen? Butcher, Bunny, and the Blade. This is what I was sort of speaking about earlier on, with sort of early on in AEW history, them getting a lot of sort of debuts. Wrong. No, I don't want to say wrong. Just underwhelming. A bit of a mess. A bit of a hodgepodge. Yeah. Because early on, you were either going to get someone you knew from WWE or someone that some people would have known from the indies, but some people wouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, some of them were in Impact and everything, but... It's not as if everyone was going to know who this was, but they presented as if everyone knew who it was. Yeah. And I feel what, like this might have been one of them. That's what I was going to say, because obviously they attacked the Butcher and the uh, Bunny and Blade attacked Cody on an episode of Dynamite, and I don't know if Jim Ross was the reason this debut, for the, the viewer at home at least, went so weird, because he was sat there going, who are these people? What are their intentions? And then Excalibur just piped up saying, oh my God, it's the Butcher, the Bunny, and the Blade. (laughs) Everyone knows them. They live down the road. They go to the pub every Friday. That's not even names they were using either. So it's not as if... It was names that they'd started using in AW, but Excalibur was pretending... That they'd always... Oh no, they had they were a tag team before. I've seen it. I've seen. But were they called the but were they called the Butcher and the Blade? I know the that Blade, Blade was yeah. Blade was Braxton Sutter in Impact and Pepper Potts elsewhere. I think I, I don't don't quote me on this, everybody. Wait, Pepper Potts? Have I got that horribly wrong? That sounds like a made up name. <laughs> I'm going to just Google that. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, they were, they were a tag team before. I don't know if Bunny was involved, but certainly Butcher and Blade were a thing before AEW kicked off. There's an entrance video somewhere. I don't know if it's MLW. Don't quote me on that. But uh, they mm. were definitely a tag team somewhere else. But yeah, the, the commentary team in the sort of... What, who, 
Pepper Parks. Pepper Potts is a character from the Marvel Universe. Wow. Which I'm not even a big fan. I mean, the Blade yeah. could be in the Marvel Universe if you wanted to. It's a woman. Oh, dear. <laughs> so I've just made a huge, huge error. <laughs> I don't know anything about Marvel. No. There, there we go. Is it Jim Ross's fault? No, it was... It... Yeah, is it Jim Ross's fault? Because if the lead commentator doesn't know what's going on, how the hell are the fans at home supposed to know what's going on? It's either Jim Ross or Excalibur's fault or the direction they were given. Yeah, I can't, I can't really work it out, but it wasn't a good one. It wasn't a strong one. In kayfabe, uh, I'd like to put the blame solely at Jim Ross's feet because in kayfabe, he's the lead commentator. He's a broadcast journalist yeah. who should be doing the research before the shows of any yeah. surprises that might happen, like people coming up from under the ring. Yeah. Um, it's, bottom, it's one of the bottom two again, isn't it? Is it? It's worse than Andrade's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, probably. Does that just mean lack it's, of context. it's bottom of just about bearable or in the bin? That's where we're going here. I don't know. Are there are worse ones down the line? Like, clearly worse ones. Who knows? We'll go in the bin, just a conservative okay. bin place. And who knows? I might okay. get out of the bin but before the end of the video. But um, now we move on to Paul White. And I remember being sat in this very chair on the afternoon of February the 24th when out what? of nowhere on the Twitter machine, it just got announced that Paul White had signed with AEW. Yeah. So this one wasn't... They announced it ahead of time. They did announce it ahead of time. Because this, is, with it, this was in the world where at the time, apparently, according to the dirt sheets, which have been proven wrong with the Andrade debut in AEW, uh, it was all about the Sting debut and how pissed off the network was at the, the sort of surprise aspect of the debut and not giving them the opportunity to promote the debut ahead of time to bring in more viewers. So apparently AEW oh. were banned from making these big surprise debuts from here on out. But obviously Andrade's proved that to be a load of rubbish. But on February yeah. the 24th, on the Twitter machine, AEW... W announced the signing of um, of Paul White after he was sent packing from Monday Night Raw by Randy Orton once again, who, who saw off Matt Hardy. He saw off John Moxley, I think, as well. What's that meme that goes around on the social media? Randy Orton sending off all the people to AEW. Oh, uh, yeah, I know, I know what you mean, yeah. Also, at the time, AEW Dark Elevation is announced, but then Paul White appeared. I think this is what we're going to rank more in terms of uh, his debut here. He appeared on the March 3rd episode of Dynamite. Uh, big Dick Tony Schiavone is just on the stage. No BS appears on the Tron. I think it's the, uh, the Dark Elevation theme that was playing, uh, which is still his theme today, isn't it? Nice, nice. Mm. I like that. That's like when someone like Michael Cole has like the SmackDown music, for yeah. example. Like, yeah, yeah. I think he's still got it today, but uh, that's a shame. They need a, they need a, they need a theme for the Paul White, don't they? For the the Paul White, what am I doing here? They need to do just the Big Show, but instead of saying the Big, they need to just say it's it's Paul White. It's yeah. Paul White, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm thinking just about bearable. Because there's no surprise element. They announced it ahead of time. Yeah, is this... Um, is, oh, yeah, the title of this video might, might not be shocking, AEW debuts. Some of them were definitely shocking. Some yeah. of them were shocking. Has it got nothing to do with Paul White saying things like, raise your hand if you saw this turn coming? <laughs> oh, see, that, well, that depends on what, how you feel about AEW constantly taking shots at WWE. Yeah. And, then he and said, I think sometimes it's all right, but they do it way too often. Yeah. And obviously Paul White's debut was all to bring about a debut for another person that we'll, we'll talk about in just a second here, which Paul White claimed was coming this Sunday at Evolution. So he got that wrong as well. Maybe this one has to go down the bottom somewhere. Oh, did he call it Evolution as he well? Did, he got uh, it wrong. Yeah, oh, well, that might even be bin-worthy. That. We'll put it in the bin. Why not? I Especially... To be honest with you, I cringe when he, he put, raise your hand if you saw this turn coming. <laughs> Um, yeah, one too many shots from it. Again, I just think about the, the big golden ring, the big brass ring, the big golden ring, because that's the same as everyone grabs the, the golden ring. Um, yeah. There's too many shots, isn't there? But, um, I, I know, and as well, 
I still don't, this doesn't help his debut in hindsight, I still don't quite understand the point of Dark Elevation, because Dark should do the job of Dark Elevation. Yeah. Why do we need two Darks, but no. Have you watched Dark Elevation? I've seen bits of, I've seen clips. I've, seen, I've, not, <laughs> I've not seen a second. I'm fully on, I'm fully on the Dark train now. If oh that, yeah, Dark's that, great laugh, because everyone, Taz is brilliant on it, and everyone yeah. just has a bit of a laugh, yeah. But I saw one clip, I think it might have been one of Max Caster's entrances from Dark Elevation, and, um... Paul White and Tony... Is it? No, it's Paul White and Excalibur today, I think. It started off with okay. Tony. I think Tony got taken off. I hope I'm right there. I should really watch more Dark Elevation. But uh, no. Tony, Tony and Excalibur try to do a knockoff Taz and Excalibur, and it's just not the same. It's just the not the same. Is the band not there? No, it's oh. not there yet. But they are early on in their relationship. So, uh, obviously, the debut that Paul White was brought in to hint at was the debut of Christian Cage, which didn't mm. take place at WWE Evolution. It took place at AEW Revolution. This one was Tony Khan's fault. This it wasn't Christian's fault. Yeah, this was Tony Khan's fault. So we look, um, at the, we look at the clues. I've got a couple of clues written down here. We had, uh, obviously, Tony Khan, in the week leading up to uh, Revolution, was speaking in the media. He was speaking about the debut of a Hall of Fame calibre talent, uh, one of Tony Khan's favourite wrestlers when he was growing up. Dream matches to be had here. But then he went too far. I forget which, what he said specifically, but he went too far because he allowed people to speculate, oh, my God, it's John Cena or Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a huge, huge star. Christian, like everyone... Wrestling fans of a certain age love Christian because yeah. he's part of our childhoods and he was in a great tag team and he's and he's really criminally underrated. And everyone loved it when he finally won, you know, the big gold belt and he really deserved it. Impact fans like him because he spent time there. But there's a way of hyping him up and it's not by saying he's one of the biggest and best stars ever because he's just not, unfortunately. No, he's, he's, that, he's that next tier down, isn't he? We're going to yeah. put a tier list of... Uh big stars in the history of pro wrestling but uh, mm. yep he went too far he allowed people to, to speculate wildly which I, it's, a, it's a weird thing to have a go at Tony Khan but then again why open yourself up to that why not just stick to the clues that you know very much did apply to Christian he's guilty of doing that sometimes he, he, he hyped up uh, was it it Hag- was Moxley against Hager in yeah. the MD Arena match yeah he says the best MD Arena match ever and it was a good it was fine but it wasn't like Rock Mankind, it wasn't the best MD Arena match ever, it wasn't. Yeah, and to be fair, since then, he has really sort of toned it down in, in his hype for things. So. <laughs> toned, toned it toned, down. Toned it down, toned, lovely pun. Toned, toned it down. Right, so I, to be honest with you, I saw a lot of people saying how disappointed they were and it was, it was just Christian being the one who debuted here, but I didn't get that. When, I, when his impact, well, his TNA theme from back in the day, the knockoff version that we've got in AEW today, when that started playing, I was like, bloody hell, that's a good get, especially when you think about the Rumble, which didn't play, which took place not too far before yeah. Revolution did. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a hard one to place. And then he came out and what did he, say? he said he's going to outwork everyone. And then Darby Allen was like, right, I'll show you. Yeah. You'll see. Um... I think, oh, I really don't know this one because there's nothing wrong with the debut itself, but it's all the background around it, yeah. which drags it down a little bit for me. What about All Right? Well, go All Right, why the hell not? Put him next to Matt Hardy. I'd say definitely behind, though, behind Matt. Yeah, definitely. Towards the bottom of All Right. It was weird, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, again, we're going back to that period of time where apparently, according to the dirty sheets, AEW weren't allowed to do proper shocking debuts. This was under the yeah. guise of that, just to drum up interest for a pay-per-view. Which you can see why they would do that, but again, there's nothing better than a, a big, proper shocking debut, is there? I feel like this Christian one as well has been saved from a lower tier by the fact that straight after it, there was the Rubbish Explosion match. Mm. Oh, yeah. So everyone was everyone was talking about that. Yeah. yeah. So the Christian thing was kind of secondary news and people weren't as harsh about it. 
Now, this one we're about to speak about now is incredibly weird to look back on. I watched it in full last night, and I could not believe how times have changed so drastically. We're going all okay. the way back to Double or Nothing 2019, a show that we were at live. Jack, that was lovely, wasn't it? It was a very good show. It was a very good show. But there was a couple... Which debut are you talking about here? Because I think there was a few. The, a dark, the dark Order. Oh, <laughs> not the good... Right, okay. No, not the good ones. Uh, just to... I'll, I'll do a, re- a reenaction of our reaction at the time, right? So it's like... Oh, the lights have gone down. Who are they there? And that was pretty much that, that was, was pretty the much it. Yeah, just to intensity set... of the of the yeah. reaction in the crowd. <laughs> to set the scene for everybody at home, we have the Dark Order. Who back then they were not the lovable goofballs that we see today on AEW and on being the elite and shows like that. They were dark, spooky perverts, and evil Uno had his throne of gimps <laughs> that he would sit on and sort of like, I just act like, you know, he owned these men. I, mm-hmm. I guess is what we're, the vibe that we're going for here uh, in their gimp masks and whatnot. Uh, Dark Order, who was just stewing uh, Evil Uno back then. They attacked Stew Gray. It's Stu, such a good yeah, name. <laughs> Evil Stu. Uno and Stew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Dark Order. They attacked TH2 and Best Friends, and it wasn't received well in the arena whatsoever. I'm sure there was chance of oh. like, who are you? What is this? What the hell's going on here? Yeah. Because they were a sort of semi-beloved... I mean, they were beloved, but on a, like a smaller level on the indies when they were the... Uh, player Uno and played like the computer game characters yeah. gimmick but they looked very different Stu Grayson's obviously now not got a mask on Uno probably looks the same but evil but yeah live no one knew who, who they were we didn't have the benefit of commentary no. so that's a, that's a point I suppose I mean would they have known <laughs> yeah true I JR wouldn't have known I, I didn't take note of what the commentators actually said while this was going on but uh, yeah I, I can't remember from watching the video last night but uh, yes it wasn't a very good debut was it <laughs> No, no, it wasn't a very good debut. It was just I'm, glad so- I'm glad they've turned it around. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, that's one thing that AEW does fantastically well. When they see that something isn't working, they're not scared to just go, see you later, yeah. let's change things up to make things better. That's one thing they do do very well, is listen to yeah. the fans. And and was this... No, this would have been before. Do you remember when the, there were like three spooky stables at the same time? So you had the Dark Order, you had the Nightmare yeah. Collective. Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny. The were it, and the Blade when and the they were on their own, yeah. yeah. But... The Dark Order must have been the first ones. Yeah, they were. That was double yeah, enough okay, in 2019. Um, right. So there we go. Where did we put that one? They just attacked them. Then Evil Uno made his throne of spooky, <laughs> his, 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 his gimps, and then, then they went away. That was, that was basically the debut. Unfortunately for me, it's got to be Bin just because of the sheer confusion there live. Everyone was just like, what? It was the sort of vibe of the thing as well, because I was just, I remember coming away from that, especially thinking AEW was marketing themselves this alternative to WWE. Yet that Dark Order debut couldn't have been more WWE if it tried for me. Yeah, 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 that's very true. So just setting it not not setting itself apart. I guess that's what held that one back. And I think it's deserved for the bin. Dark Order today are way better than Dark Order <laughs> from way back then. Uh, now we go on to Brody Lee, naturally from the Dark Order here, who debuted on March the eighteenth, twenty twenty. That was the debut, of course, of Matt Hardy as well. This show was supposed to be before the pandemic, obviously, in his hometown of Rochester, New York. <sighs> that would have been oh, so good. Would have been amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yep, so of course we spoke about earlier on how smart AEW were to sort of throw a bit of a, a swerve in there. Everyone expecting Matt Hardy to be the leader, the exalted one, sorry, of the Dark Order, but nope, it turned out to be Brody Lee instead. We had Heel Evil Uno, who was sort of still 
in his spooky pervert face, but without his throne of gimps at this period of time. He was speaking about this, uh, the, the promo in a, a heelish way, speaking about uh, the Exalted One is coming, the Exalted One is coming, the Exalted One is coming. He kept on repeating. Uh, SCU, Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels then cut him off. Daniels said he's sick of Uno talking, and he's sick of Uno saying there's an Exalted One because there isn't. And then we get the vignette play, cutting off Daniels, where we have that iconic shot of Brody Lee with the swinging light bulb and walking down mm. the corridor and whatnot, whapping off his big white hood and then cuts a lovely promo there where he speaks about Christopher Daniels not being the first out-of-touch old man not to believe in him. <laughs> oh, it's it's one of the top two tiers. I think it's a good one. It's definitely a good one. Did he appear in the arena then? He, as well? he did because after the vi- uh, the vignette aired on the Big Tron, he was in the ring behind SCU. Ah, uh, yes. He then went to hit his sister Abigail and then went, oh no, we'll pull a fakey here as we would call mm-hmm. it up here in the Northeast. Then he just hit a massive discus clothesline on, on Christopher Daniels. I think it might even be top tier for me. I'll go top tier because I remember on, a bit that it was just the shock of it all. Because mm. it, it, when the vignette's playing, it's sort of the distorted, like, I don't know what effect to put on it. Sam will know. Put up a thing on the screen, Sam. <laughs> That's what they did to his voice. Um, it starts off with that, and then just sort of halfway through the promo, it changes to Brody Lee's voice. But obviously, being fans of WWE and not really knowing them before WWE, I had no idea what he sounded like. So when he then walks down the corridor and takes off his hood, he's like, oh my God, it's him. That's what he sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's top tier. It's top tier for me. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's put him in there. Next up, we have the Good Brothers, who were the first shocking debut, I do believe, of 2021. It was New Year's Smash Night 1. Remember that right at the start of the year? Oh, yes. That oh, feels, like so, feels like so long ago. 25 years ago. Of course, this was, yeah. the, I guess, the, the real sort of moving up through the gears of the cross-promotion with Impact Wrestling. Good Brothers at the time were the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champions. They helped Kenny Omega attack John Moxley. It was a shock. We had Bullet Club feels and all that stuff with the books. Then later on, coming in the ring and everyone raising their hands and doing that, their hand sign. Uh, Don Callis wetting his pants at the sight of that hand sign being made with all the people involved. <laughs> I thought this was really, it was like a prop, it, it felt, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It felt like it will back in the 90s with this sort of debut. Yeah, yeah. And, and was this before or after Gallows just became so orange and oily? I think the orange came after the debut in, in, in okay. AEW because they sort of hyped what ramped up the silly clothes, didn't they? And the sort of, ah, uh, the, the, yeah. the, what's the word I'm looking for? The, Carny clothes, <laughs> just the carniness, yeah, the, the fake dressing carny. like wrestlers, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically pretending to be Nash and Hall, yeah, this is what they're doing. Um, yeah, I'd go second top tier only because it was good and it did work, but only because I've seen the Bullet Club or vari- variations of the Bullet Club or the Elite or whatever do this quite a few times. So the shock wasn't as big as it could have been, but it was still good, I think. Still good enough for second top tier, definitely. And you were thinking at the time when they debuted, you're thinking, oh my God, all the matches they could have with people from Impact Wrestling. Yeah. That hasn't yeah. happened, has it? We've had Rich, who, have we, who have we had? We had Rich Swan. Rich Swan. Kenny, um, went to, Kenny went to Impact, didn't he? Was uh, Sammy Guevara was Mendu, and then stuff apparently happened in Impact, and he came back. Um, there was teasing, I think. Teasing, I've said it weirdly there, of the Motor City Machine Guns. Mm-hmm. But that never panned out either. So. Yeah, it hasn't, been, it hasn't been what it could have been, which is a bit of a mm. shame. But there we go. Next up, we have one of the more infamous debuts in AEW history. We have the debut of Matt Seidel in the All Out uh, <laughs> Casino Battle Royal. Of course, 
it's remembered for one reason and one reason alone. Uh, Michael Nakanaka Nakanaka Nakazawa was in the ring beforehand, oiling himself up, and in turn, the turnbuckle that Matt Seidel had planned to hit a really dangerous wrestling move off of. So, of course, after the all was on there, Matt Seidel goes up to the top rope. It's very smoky as well. I didn't realise how much smoke there was from his entrance as well, so that can't have helped things, I guess. He goes to do it, he slips, he falls, and then, oh my God, you're fearing the worst, but obviously Powerhouse Hobbs was on the scene, uh, making sure he's okay, cradling his head and all that stuff, so that was okay. Eventually, Seidel was eliminated from the match by Eddie Kingston, but to be honest with you, because the way wrestling fans are and the way professional wrestling works, whatever happened after that slip did not matter in the slightest. I'm just glad he wasn't booked to win. Yeah. Um, it's got to be Ben Ross. It's, it's got to arguably yeah. the worst one yet. Unfortunately for him, because it, it was an accident and everything, it was just a botch. But And it could have gone a lot worse. You know, He's probably just relieved that he didn't break his neck. Yeah. Well, I think everybody but, is, isn't he? Yeah, but it has been. It has been worthy. And you look at what happened. I know it's really got nothing to do with this tier list, but what happened after the debut? I don't know if that incident and how sort of infamous it's, it, it was became, I guess, hampered how he was being booked in AEW. It's, maybe, yeah, maybe so. Yeah, because he just went missing. He went off the face of the earth, just appeared on Dark. And you were thinking, oh, the, the, the big surprise in the Casino Battle Royale, maybe he'd have bigger plans for someone in that spot. Maybe. Now he's, uh, now he's got his brother. Now he's a tag team, so... Uh. He, he had a couple of good singles matches with. Did he have one with Kenny Omega? Maybe. Yes. He's had a couple, but he hasn't. He definitely hasn't been like a feature part of, of Dynamite now. No. Next up, we're going back to uh, Double or Nothing 2019 once again, and I think we're right in saying this is the first ever big shock and surprise in AEW history because this is Awesome Kong. Do you remember this one? Oh yes, I forgot about that. In my mind, there were two shocking debuts at Double or Nothing, but no, it was Awesome Kong as well. This was class. This was what it was before the women's. Was there a triple threat match at first and then Brandy made it a four-way? Yeah, Brandy comes out and says she wants to make this match awesome. Awesome. I was thinking yeah. the, the Miz is coming out here. Oh, my God, what's going on? But no, <laughs> Awesome Kong comes out. And I tell you what, being there live in the arena for that for that uh, that show, the pop was deafening. That was a great one, yeah. And and the the match was booked around her being really scary and strong as well. And Brandy was being like a super villain. When she shouted, I want to make it awesome, and then Awesome Kong came out, I remember Brandy going like, ha, 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 like both hands in the air. Yeah. It was class. I think it's a I think it's a top tier for me. I'll, I'll go definitely top tier. It's it's so mm. strict. I don't know what the... Re- Do you know the reasons are for Awesome Kong sort of not being around? I know she was shooting um, another season of, of Glow. Then um, that got cancelled, did it, because of the pandemic, maybe? Did it? The, it's, the shooting, maybe. I might have mixed that up. But yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, she. I mean, maybe she's getting a bit sick of it. She's. I think she's in her 40s now, maybe. Mm. I don't know. It would have been nice to have seen her do more in AEW because then, of course, coming out of that, we had her appear, I forget which pay-per-view it was, but it was. I think it was on the buy-in for a, for a pay-per-view where she appeared with the knife. And I was thinking, oh, oh my God, she's going to stab somebody. But now nah, she cut off someone's hair um, and uh, the Nightmare Collective was sort What's of... happened to Mel? Mel, yeah. Mel's, remember Mel? Mel, Mel's, Mel's, Mel wrestled a few times last year, didn't she? I remember her name cropping up in a tier list we did for the oh, AEW Mel. roster. And uh, yeah, she's sort of gone missing, I think. But uh, it's it's a shame to see what's happened with Awesome Comp. But then again, we don't know the full story. So maybe she doesn't want to be involved. Yeah. And if she doesn't, all the more power to her. Why should wrestling run her life? And bring back Mel also. Yes. Now we're moving on to Miro who debuted in AEW as Kip Sabian's best man, which is a good name to have, or nickname to have, because it's... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's, it's got two meanings. First of all, of course, it's the best man in terms of weddings and stag do's and whatnot. But then again, when he turns on Kip and becomes serious, 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 mm. he is the best man because he is hard and cool too. This one was a really weird feeling because Kip did the whole, there was like the comedy thing first, wasn't there? Where like two people came out and Kip was like, not you, mm. you silly Billy, get to the back. And then he went, here's the real one. And I was thinking, well, this is going to be like a mid-card guy. And then I was like, what? It was totally shocking when it was Miro, but maybe not necessarily in a good way. Because obviously Miro's whole first, up until really recently, his run in AW has been criticised for having him just way too low down on the card. And this, this sort of set the tone for that straight away. Was it you on the podcast saying it was deliberate, maybe? Yeah, but I, I look now and I'm not entirely sure. But it came, it came around the same sort of time that like, Lance Archer and Brody Lee were being built up straight away and then losing to Moxley. And, I th- and then I was thinking, if they throw Miro in and have him lose to Moxley straight away, then what's the point? But since then, I'm really not sure because no. it, ha- it, went on for long- it went on for a lot longer than I thought. I, thought, I think that what you were saying there makes sense because, that, again, okay. so many people got fed to Moxley. Well, not so many people, but a, lot of, a few debuts got fed straight away to John Moxley early on and had, sort of had their, not credibility, but, you know, the sort of steam... Mm. quashed a bit by John Moxley beating them. But Miro looked fantastic on his debut. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was wearing all kinds of gucky stuff, uh, but not not shoving it down our throats like the young, the young cooks do. We had a $650 Disney Times gucky, um, a shirt that cost $650. He had Disney Times Gucci jogging pant, which I would like you to guess how much... Do you remember the, the, the sort of uh, Zubar-esque pants he had on were? Do you, do you remember yeah, them? yeah. Guess, um, guess how much they I'm were. Guess him. I'm going to guess... $1,200. Oh, my. Would you actually think that? I don't know. Why is that right? It's 1450 but I thought, they looked, I thought they looked a lot cheaper, to be honest with you. Oh, no. I, I was just... <laughs> I was just... Like, I doubled my real... Just because I knew that it was going to be outrageous. Yeah, but Gucci. I'm surprised I got so close. Then he rounds off the look with some Adidas Yeezy Boost 350 V2. Earth. No idea how expensive Two, they $220, so quite, quite oh, cheap. Quite cheap. Yeah, cheap um, chips. <laughs> but obviously, yeah, the debut was... It was... It was weird because you think, well, then again, because I, I remember Rusev from back in WWE being held back by uh, from being this sort of endearing, lovable, funny man who could also kick your head off. So I was thinking, well, maybe they're, they're going to show or allow uh, Rusev, to, or Miro, sorry, to, to show his proper, like, his chops as a sort of comedic, nice, lovely wrestler. Yeah, maybe. It, it, was, it was full of ups and downs for me generally. Like the wedding stuff I was really disappointed by. Yeah. Um... And then the, but then it all ended pretty well with the arcade. The what was it? The arcade anarchy match. That was really really good. 
the debut for me just felt we. I should mention, by the way, that um, Kip, one of the lads that Kip brings out who thinks they're the best man when they're not, is a man called Puff. I think it's P U F. And uh, he once popped into one of our streams on Twitch. Wow. He seemed like a lovely bloke. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is that Puff from AEW? And then he commented saying, yes, it is. Now, he might have just been someone making it up, but I, th- I believed him. I think it was actually him. I think he might have had a verified. I'm not sure. Wow, what a story. Uh, <laughs> it's because I've got no idea where to put this debut yeah, in. Yeah, I'll, I'll go all right. Okay, right, okay. Bottom of all right, just about bearable sort of. Okay. Because, yeah, there was, I was full of hope for the debut itself, but obviously after that, which we're not here to speak about the day, but after that it was rubbish. But the mm. debut, I guess, was fine. A fine mm. start for me on AEW, which has got a lot better as we're sat here today. Next yeah. up, we're moving on to Santana and Ortiz, who debuted at All Out 2019 just after a match where Pentagon and Phoenix retained their AAA tag team title against the Young Bucks in that their ladder match. I say that their ladder match. I feel like I've seen about 25 ladder matches between the Bucks and uh, Lucha Bros and AEW alone. I don't know if you get that feeling as well. I do. There the seemed to be. There was one the other week, and I was like, another one? But it had actually been quite a long time. Mm. In fact, was it? No, it was Pender and Pack, wasn't Pender it? Pender and Pack, oh, yeah, yeah, Dynamite, yeah. Uh, yeah. but for this one back at All Out 2019 Santana and Ortiz appeared uh, to attack both teams but they both had uh, president masks on one had uh, JFK on and the other had Billy Clinton tell you what when, when, it, when Santana and Ortiz they don't do it they don't do it too often which is good but when they decide to dress up I think it works they look really really cool yeah <laughs> they look really badass not like the young books where they wear their little karate pyjamas like they're, they're four years old <laughs> <laughs> what pay-per-view was that for? I know it was a gaming reference. I know it's lost on it me. It was but... Fire Fest, probably. Yeah, I know Kenny Omega was there with the, it. Was they had a, 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 trip, a trios match, didn't they? And... They were all Street Fighter characters, but I only got. Um, I mentioned this on a on a podcast, maybe. Maybe it was the one that you were off for recently. But we were talking about that. It would have been because Sam and Matthew know about the games, and uh, Sam was on that podcast. And I was saying, I know what I know. The Young Bucks were uh, Ryu and Ken, the two like main Street Fighter characters. Like, but I was like, I don't know which one Omega was. Was he some, like, obscure character? Apparently not. Apparently he's, like, a well-famous character on the game as well. I'm just very crap at knowledge of... He was, like... He was well-known. So, yeah. Fair enough. Anyway, sorry, Santana. <laughs> yeah, Santana the Unbox looked really cute in that match. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, but, yeah, uh, yeah, they just did. They debuted and they attacked. That was it. That was the debut. Whapped out the album, whapped off the masks and revealed it was them and big pop once again because obviously they're working in, in Impact Wrestling with LAX and all that stuff built a very good reputation on the scene of professional wrestling one of the, the straight to hells that got away was would have been with those two at that Wrestling Media Con back in 2018 oh that would have been good Trevor Lee and those two they were the ones that got away from me oh <sighs> gutted I'll tell you what I, I was hyped for this because I felt like I was really indie and cool at the time because uh, not long before on uh, was on German Progress used to go to America. They'd do like three shows in a row in America mm. and then they'd come back. And one of those... No, it, was, it might have even been in England actually, but Santana Ortiz wrestled for them a few times. You know how Progress, like Jim Smallman, would talk in between each in every match. So after the Santana Ortiz one, he called them back to the ring and he, they'd just lost or whatever. And he went, lads, that was one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. And Santana Ortiz looked like really emotional and stuff. And I couldn't work out whether it was real or whether they were acting in kayfabe. Because if I was a wrestler, and then some British promoter called me back to the ring and went, you're really good, I'd have been like, I mean, I'm a wrestler, I'm really cool, you nerd, like, what are you on about? So I don't know. I'm not, it's not me having a go at Jim Smallman, I'm just trying to get in their mindset at the time. Yeah, who was that match against? 
Might be either Mustache Mountain or CCK or one of the one of the Progress tag team. I guess at that point in time, it might mean a lot for their career getting a, a good match against more established names. Is that fair to say? If it was Mustache Ooh. Mountain, I can't remember if it was before or after they'd been on Impact though. Uh, so they might have they might have been more having a good yeah. match. Maybe they were realizing that people in England knew who they were and that they were like international. It might have been part of that as well. Not yeah. not really sure. Uh, around this, I don't know if how much this hampered this AEW debut for you, uh, for you, but around this time it was being teased for an episode of Dynamite that Chris Jericho and two mystery partners would face oh. Ke- would face Kenny Omega in the Unbooks. Of course, I don't know if that affects anything at, at all. Does it? I can't remember. I remember something about that announcement being off or making the result of the match obvious, like the Bucks were definitely going to win or whatever. Mm. So. But I think the debut is um, probably second top to yeah, lovely, lovely. I'd agree with that, yeah. Especially when masks involved. When people mm. people take off masks, it's always it's like coming out of box. Whoever said that famous quote back in the day, come out of box, you're instantly over. That's how it goes, isn't oh. it? <laughs> yeah. Not all, not all the time. Yeah. yeah. Kenta at the Beach Break Special. You'll be able to speak more about this to me because I was just watching this debut when a hooded man attacked John Moxley out of nowhere, which, of course, set up their New Japan Strong Match. Um I was thinking, wow, because all I really knew, because I'm going to sit here, fans, fans, people who watch our stuff and tell you, viewers, people at home, uh, I don't watch too much New Japan Pro Wrestling, so I wasn't too familiar with Kenta at all. So when I saw this Kenta rock up to AEW, I was thinking, wow, this Hideo Itami's got a bit serious, hasn't he? This is a completely different vibe. Uh, So Kenta, from what I understand, because I wasn't... I didn't know much about him. I'd heard the name because he was going to be one of the best wrestlers in the world. But before NXT, I'd never, I didn't know much about him. But he was like really, really good and everything. Didn't work for New Japan. And in New Japan, if you work for one promotion, you often work for them just forever. That's just your promotion. Uh, then he went NXT. And then when he debuted for New Japan, that seemed like the bigger shock almost. But then the AW one, I don't think it... What happened itself, like the action itself with him and Moxley wasn't like... Anything outrageous was it? No. He just beat him up and hit him with the go to sleep. There's more the fact that it was co- him. The context of it and what it meant for this whole possible relationship between AEW and New Japan, which we still don't have a clue whether that's going ahead or not. But uh, that makes it really exciting. So for me, it would either be lovely, lovely, or bottom of of top tier. Did Kenta not work not for sure. New Japan before NXT? I, I there might have been like a one off or something, but was no, he he was. Uh, it was when he, he got announced for the G1 one year. Maybe on the same show as they announced Moxley for the G1, actually. And everyone just lost their minds. Oh. Everyone says, you know, that the stereotype, oh, Japanese crowds are quiet or whatever. When they brought Kendra out, they weren't quiet. They were like, whoa, what's he doing here? That shows you just how much I know about I'm gonna, wrestling. I'm going to check I'm gonna check that while... <laughs> shows just how much I just know so about... I don't get, the... Just so I don't get slaughtered on that. <laughs> what, the pyro fans will be having a go at us now? <laughs> um, I know it's Kenta, pure. I know it's pure people at He home. knows... Uh, he wrestled for Noah. Noah, that's the one. He wrestled for Noah between like 2003 and 2011. People at home are going to be throwing their popcorn at the screens and calling me a mug. <laughs> oh, no, wait. Longer than that. Longer than that. He wrestled for them all the way up until he went to NXT. And he would occasionally pop over and wrestled like Brian Danielson at Ring of Honor and stuff. Aye. Good for him. Lovely, mm. lovely or top? That's where we're going, is it? It's either top or lovely or bottom or top. And I can't I'll go can't bottom or top which. because of the forbidden door. And okay. stuff like that, and the, the sort of context of it all. Because if the forbidden door turns out to be nothing, then everybody who's watched this, please pretend that we put it the one below. Oh yeah. Because oh, imagine if Nick Khan swoops in there under Tony Khan. 
I know, but I love watching Tony get really riled up by it. I know. Well, he's stands there just, like pushing his muscles out. I don't care. Do reckon, I'm a big, do a big lad, mate. He stands there all the time in front of the wrestlers, like, just trying to fool them. I've been Is in the gym. Trick, that trick in it when you just go like, "What's this? I've got no muscles." Then, boom. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, Brian Cage, double or nothing, 2020 casino ladder, casino. Oh my god. Casino ladder yeah. match. He won the bloody thing, challenged Moxie for the title later on down the line. I thought this uh, this uh, this debut, sorry, it's a gimmick there. This debut was absolutely fantastic. He broke a ladder Ooh. during his entrance. What a start that is to get off. You know, we had Kane back in the Attitude Era, breaking a cage door. Brian Cage ripping, ripping a ladder apart. Again, Jim Ross didn't have a clue what was going on. He was sat there in commentary saying, uh, what, what role does Taz have to do with this? Is he a friend? Is he a manager? Yeah. Is he whatever? That's just classic yeah. JR at this point. Highlights uh, from the... Uh, oh, go on, go on. Yeah, yeah, I've, got, yeah, I've got a list, a list yeah. of highlights from the match itself. We have uh, thrown Derby into a ladder before an F10. An F10 what? to Derby as well. We had the old suplex from to Joey Janela from the outside of the ring into the ring on the second rope. We have uh, climbing the ladder with Orange Cassidy on his back. We had the whole match sort of gang up on him and put him under a, a stack of ladders and chairs and tables and whatever. Then Joey Janela did a uh, Death Valley driver off the apron onto that pile of stuff with Brian Cage underneath. Yeah, he survived that. Um, where are we going? Where have made, I've lost my notes here. Huge uh, powerbomb body- Luchasaurus where he th- literally threw Luchasaurus. He was not a small dinosaur. And then finally we had um, the sort of the final bit in the match where he laid Darby Allen on top of a ladder. Gorilla pressed the ladder out the ring and just sort of watched Darby fall to his death. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought everything, just every sort of bit through that match, it just made a star straight away. Was this not the match where he put him in a body bag and threw him over the top row? I don't think, I was on Dynamite, wasn't uh, it? Oh, right, fair enough. Darby does some weird, he does some mad stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this was perfectly booked to just show off how dangerous and cool Brian Cage is. Brian Cage, right, I bet he's what that sort, he's like the, He's like the, you know how old school wrestlers always say, like, if you're a giant, just keep it simple. Don't do anything impressive. Mm. Just be slow and simple all the time. And then once in your career, you can do something impressive and everyone will go, wow. But Brian Cage, I bet they hate Brian Cage because he's huge and he can move like a cruiserweight. It's weird because I remember Kevin Owens speaking about, because obviously Kevin Owens used to be really stick thin when he first started and could do all the flips and whatnot. And obviously right. when he rocked up with a you know a bit of a gut on him and whatnot and massive muscles, people were shocked at the stuff he could do. And he was like, well, I could do this stuff when I was thin. It doesn't mean I can't do it now that I'm a bit huskier. So maybe Brian, because right. Brian Cage was a small lad back in the, well, Comparatively to now, he was a, <laughs> comparatively yeah, he was a small lad when he started as well. So maybe it's the same sort of thing. He just sort of kept right. the, kept the same style while adding all of the muscle. I think it's top tier, probably right. Oh, straight at the top tier. I thought it was a yeah. class debut from start to finish. Hasn't really come to much since. I don't like the book of the team Taz me. No, they're 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 a bit weird. But I think if he does split off from them. He could be really good. He could be really good going after heels and they'll be just terrified because it's Brian Cage coming after them. I can spot a segue because speaking of splitting off from Team Taz as we're sat here today, recording this on the 10th of June, 2021, Ricky Starks on last week's Dynamite, I think it was, we had the little promo backstage where Taz said it'll be Cage and whoever doing the wrestling and Ricky Starks was like, oh, why is it not me? And then he walked off with a salt gun. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, there's tension in the ranks. There is tension, but seventeenth uh, of June, twenty twenty, Nelly. Yeah, bloody hell! Episode of Dynamite. We had uh, Ricky Starks uh, answering the the TNT title challenge of one Cody Roots. Obviously, Ricky Starks at this point in time would be making massive waves on NWA Power. 
Mm-hmm. He does this uh, the, the vignette just before the match where it's more of a baby, va- baby face sort of vibe where he's speaking about working for years in the pro wrestling industry to get to where he is today. His theme is always a banger, which always makes a massive difference for me in terms of a debut. I love his theme, me. Yeah, it's a good theme. The revolution is I, televised. It's just a shame that uh, when he comes out with Team Taz so often, they just come out with the, the Team Taz theme, but yeah. Yeah, and the match itself obviously was a, a good one because, of course, it's, it's Ricky Starks. He's, he's good at doing the wrestling. Um, and, of course, the, the decision to sign Ricky Starks to a full-time AEW contract was apparently made during that match itself, which speaks volumes as, as to how good that match was. Yeah, I think, uh, like the Kenta one, this was big, not because he did anything or he had a mask or he was like, anything crazy happened just because of the context it made me think wow at Cody's open challenge anyone can turn up mm. this is really good uh, so for me it might even be another top tier if not one below I'll go one below just compare okay. the ones in the top tier I think it's a, okay. a, li- a little step below but not too far but obviously I can't wait for him to break away from Team Taz and do some stuff he's got that charisma kid hasn't he he's like a cruiserweight rock yes he looks a bit Ish. like him too Maybe that's why, maybe because he has similar hair to The Rock in the 90s. Maybe that's where I've got that from. 27th of May, 2020 episode of Dynamite FTR make their AEW debut with the most shocking of debuts in the history of AEW Dynamite. I, I, the last place I expected FTR to do the wrestling was AEW, quite honestly. But uh, they arrived okay. in their, their old school car, which looked like it had uh, been made at Sin City Motors. You've seen that <laughs> on Dave? I love that show, mate. I love car building programs. I've seen the, the trailer for it, but I've not actually watched it. Dave always causing all sorts of havoc around the shop. Fantastic right. stuff. Uh, they arrived in their old car, of course, with their cool denim jackets are, and AEW pulled a kind of swerve because FTR, they saved the Young Bucks from a beating at the hands of Butcher and Blade, but of course this was a ruse because they would then set off and have their rivalry, which the Bucks won, and that's a shame. <laughs> I, I, this feud tried to be way too clever for its own good. Like, oh, we're both heels, or now... The, wait, no, it was like, we're going to both be respectful but try to outdo each other then it was like both no heels. we're actually baddies and the he, the books try to be heels and there that was bad I think the debut would have been much better if they'd just come out and beat up the young books they just needed to keep that one simple that, really that's what everyone would be waiting years for after you know uh, 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 I don't know if we're being worked here by FTR but famously young books never asked them to be named and be in the elite and stuff like that and that sort of naturally built a rivalry between the two tag teams as well as obviously the, the two tag teams being two of the best tag teams in the world they should have just yeah. done that from the start shouldn't they just have FTR come in beat down the young bucks let the fans pick who's the baby faces who's the heels and then go from there yeah and I think it's one of those instances where actually FTR were handled a lot better not in WWE generally but in NXT yeah. because all that their gimmick was was we are the best and sometimes we cheat and uh, we're the best tag team ever and then face tag teams would go well we want to beat you and then they couldn't and then sometimes they could and it was really dramatic yeah. but it was just as simple as that the wrestling really spoke for itself I didn't like Cash Wheeler's uh, 450 oh didn't like that really from the match yeah why would he try that when that's not their game why would he try well it? that's why they lost that was his folly I know silly goose <laughs> well, did he expect it to work did he no uh, yeah he let it yeah Maybe he let the occasion get get to the, get the best of him. I don't know. F- I like his tweet about. I like his tweet about it. Aye. I've got the I've got the best four fifty in the business. And I'm never going to do it again. Oh, lovely form. Just why why try oh, yeah. it? Why, why try it when it's not your game? Um, mm. Where are we going then? Because this is weird. This is another weird one to put in a tier ranking thing. Currently in all right, we have Matt Hardy, Christian Cage, and Miro. Is it on that level? No, I think it's below that level. You know, and Andrade's level. 
Ah, oh, mm, better than Andrade. Yeah, I'd, I'd go like in the mid, like bottom of all right, just above. Yeah, just, yeah, bottom of okay. all right, we'll go there. Next up, where are we going now on the old thing? We have John Moxley all the way back to double or nothing, oh, twenty nineteen. Ross, it's the be- it's top of top, it's top of top, Ross. But carry on, sorry. We'll do it. Well, why not? We, we know what happened, don't we? You attacked Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho after Chris Jericho had beaten Kenny Omega. That's a weird sentence to say here in twenty twenty one. It is. But uh, they were weird. They were weird. They were sorry. There were rumors in the builder that Moxley would sign for AEW. It wasn't like a total world-breaking surprise, but I think because the show had been so good and so full of variety and like Cody and Dustin and everything, I think that everyone had kind of forgot that there yeah. was one big surprise possibly left. So like Jericho's won, and I just remember, you, well, I remember you pointed out, but I remember not knowing he was there and hearing like a wave of noise as people slowly re- like realised he was there. I've never experienced a pop like that live. It was really cool. No, it was good. Like, because we were sort of on it. <laughs> we were up the tier, up the side of the arena in Las Vegas and Moxley came out from the entrance that we walked into to get our seats. Just like oh, that, did he? Direct, that directly under us. So he, he came uh. out and I was like, it's Ambrose. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I had no idea what to say. So I just shouted, it's Ambrose. And then along he went and down he went down into the ring. And yeah, just... He obviously beat down the two lads in the ring and then threw Kenny Omega off a massive novelty pile of chips. Yeah, it was really good. It was really I good. Think, I think uh, I think that it, it has to be top of... Top. Well, we'll just put it in top for now, but when we come to rank them at the end, it's my favourite so far, I think. Yeah, big time. But uh, shout out to JR as well, who was actually enthusiastic during this debut. He was like, oh, hey! Oh, Making yeah. noises like that. So <laughs> more of that, please, Jim, from you, good I'll- sir. I'd like to compare just for a second Moxley's shoulder rolls that he does, which he which he really emphasised in that little run in, with the Zack Ryder attempt or the Matt Cardona <laughs> attempt from the other day, which was kind of like, it was weird. Made of jelly. It was weird, but the, the, I like I liked him doing that as well. To be honest, I like the crowd getting really angry when he took the mask off. Oh, it's first class poo housery from Matt Cardona. Especially. I think I think I'd be more excited to see Matt Cardona these days than no. What am I talking about? That's really silly. That's a really silly thing to say. I was going to say. I'm glad you stopped yourself there. Moving <laughs> on though quickly, Eddie Kingston, who answered Cody Rhodes' open challenge for the TNT title on July the 22nd last year. I can't believe it's only been a year since that as well. Wow. Um, he's having a go at Arn Anderson. Um, he's having a go at Cody Rhodes because I think around the time Cody Rhodes was telling people about the grind and whatnot and how he was the hardest working whatever he does because that's what Cody Rhodes is these days. Mm-hmm. Eddie Kingston was like, no, I grew up around alcoholics, junkies. I had to survive. I had to grind. He couldn't last a day in his shoes. One hell of a promo from Eddie Kingston. But of course, it was one hell of a promo because it's Eddie Kingston. <laughs> I think he's the best promo in the world right now. Yeah. I think he's honestly the best promo in wrestling um, but this this one for me is I know that we put Ricky Starks in second top tier but this one for me is top tier because it's like a little bit more of a like because Ricky Starks is young and he's on the rise and it was really nice to see him get given a chance whereas for Kingston it felt like maybe this is like his last big chance mm. so the fact that he went out and had a really good match with Cody was the match part of his debut or was the debut was the match after, later on yeah because uh, he, he continues in the promo saying he, he threatens to put Cody in the ground and smile threatens to kill him put him in the ground and then smile about <laughs> it which is also always good and then Cody he says to Cody you have to accept a no DQ because either Cody is an egg, su- egg sucking dog or an egg sucking bitch Oh, throw it back really to Dusty Rhodes obviously so uh, yeah so Cody accepts the no DQ thing and off they went and they had a right. match and obviously I think yeah, I agree with you in putting it in the top tier just a step above Ricky Starks is because this debut really did capture the imagination of everyone watching Dynamite because Higher Eddie was trending wasn't it on social media yeah and then of course yeah. AEW I don't know I don't want to say they were forced into doing it just due to fan pressure but probably they were <laughs> yeah and it was um, I remember it got it got it got like because then Warhorse had a match later on, 
like a big like sort of indie sensation wrestler and everyone was just assuming they would sign him as well because it just seemed like but it didn't quite work there which was no. a shame for, for fans of Warhorse but uh, the Eddie Kingston one brilliant because and Matthew knows more than I do but I remember watching Eddie Kingston when I first ever found any indie wrestling like just on YouTube and thinking he's brilliant and then when I actually got into wrestling later on again and, and realised oh, he's not really I can't believe no one's taking advantage of him uh, so I think there must be a lot of fans of his <clears throat> who've always thought that and to see him actually get given the chance makes it top tier for me and he's knocked it out of the park ever since it's yeah. like, there's two promos who don't feel like promos in the world of wrestling and then one's him and one's Samojo I can't think of yes. anybody else anyone else they does, just feel yeah. like that's how they actually are yeah and finally our final sort of shocking debut we're going back to December 2nd 2020 winter is coming episode of uh, episode of Dynamite where we have the debut of Steve <laughs> it's Steve <laughs> a, mass, a massive episode of Dynamite to begin with because that was the night of course where Kenny Omega won the title off John Moxley mm. but in this segment we had Team Taz beating down Cody Dustin and Darby Allen after Cody and Darby had beaten Hobbs and Starks of Team Taz lights go down when starts happening inside the arena with the snow and whatnot Sting <laughs> appears on the Tron Tony Schiavone is losing his bananas on the commentary table we're back in 1997 then of course we have the moments inside the ring where uh, Sting walks over to Arn there's history there he walks over to Cody that's spine tingling I tell you because Cody obviously his favourite wrestler when he was young was Sting yeah. and then Sting walks over to Darby <laughs> imagine imagine your dad's Dusty Rhodes and your favourite wrestler <laughs> Sting your dad is also one of the best wrestlers of that period but you like another one should have paid would it be no, would it be not cool maybe to like your parent you want to like one of the other wrestlers I guess I don't think Cody Rhodes cares about not being cool just watching how his boot these days <laughs> <laughs> and then of course we have the moment where Sting walks over to, to Derby because they both wear face paint mm. but everyone had made that comparison before yeah. so it was nice to see that get acknowledged because it's one thing it's always quite nice in wrestling and in WWE for me it only ever happens around Wrestlemania or sort of that type type of time when when they actually will take something that the fans have been suggesting like when Zack Ryder and um, Kurt Hawkins won the tag belt on the pre-show or like when Ty Dillinger came out at number 10 in the Royal Rumble when they take something that the fans have made a thing and actually make it a real thing that's I, I quite like that sometimes and this was one of them my problem with this is that everything that happened after because We've talked a lot about Sting coming down. He's one man with a with a with a bat, but he's one man, and you've got Cage, Hobbs, and Taz all running away from him. Taz being disgusted by the snow for some reason, going like, "Oh God!" Yeah. And I and I feel like they try to force Tony to shout Sting every week, even though he's just introducing him now. But the debut itself, that was a good moment, I think. That was top tier straight away for me. Okay, fair enough. It was enough, the, the enough. shocking aspect of it as well because I can't remember reading too much about Sting going to AEW. Yeah. At that period, obviously there was links of Sting to AEW because of you leaving his Legends contract or whatever with WWE and his all his like indie like meet and greet appearance is what I'm trying to say. But there was no, around that time at the start of December there was no like oh Sting's going to appear on Dynamite tonight. I can't remember no. any of that happening. So all in all in all, I think it was a fantastic debut. So we'll go through the tier just to make sure we're happy. Oh, one second, sorry, we've missed off the most shocking debut in AEW history ever at Double or Nothing. We were there for it live, and it's Jack Whitehall. <laughs> Jim when he just turned up and yeah. we were like what's he doing there IT, ITV's even... partnership with uh, AEW wasn't it which is is he, a, is he a wrestling fan as well I've got no idea he certainly Cause... must be contracted to ITV that's what I, I assume from that he seemed very he seemed a bit because we're used to seeing Jack Whitehall all cocky and posh 
But he seemed a bit nervous when he was introducing Bret Hart, so I wonder if he is really a wrestling fan. Is, is Jack Whitehall much of a name in America? Nah, not, not by the reaction of that arena. No, no one had a clue, did they? Um, but no. yeah, where would, where would you so put he... the debut of Jack Whitehall standing there in the ring with the belt? Uh, all right. All right, fair enough. Or middle, middle <laughs> in fact, was Bret Hart a shocking debut from that? Or was he announced before? Oh, yeah. I don't think he counts, but that was a shocking debut. We probably, well, yeah. probably missed off about 50,000. I was as shocked for Jack Whitehall as I was for Brett. It was like two shocks in a row. I couldn't believe it. I and cared, then, I cared then, a lot more about Brett, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and Brett fell off the stage, which I feel like only me and you saw oh, and everyone in the arena. That was scary, yeah. that. Yeah, it was he really scary. Quite a way. Um, but um, well, when we got the tweet saying he was all right, I was like, oh. Because I was worried we'd just seen a man like die or break his legs. He must have, oh, people at home, he just disappeared out of sight, like face first. It was what, an awful thing to see. For those who never saw any like... Any sort of um, like like what you know, as the face and heel tunnels, he didn't quite realise, and he just went through the curtain just at the back. But there was a drop off, and we just saw him just disappear from view. I remember you going like, "Oh, Brett's lost," and we looked over and we're laughing, and then suddenly it turned into like, "Oh no!" Oh, I, 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 I screamed me. I remember. I was terrified yeah. for him, but uh, thankfully he was okay. I felt, I felt weirdly responsible. But, <laughs> I was like, what? "Should we should we alert someone? Is this <laughs> we're the only people who've seen this?" <laughs> Uh, but at least Jack Whitehall was okay. Eh? But uh, there we go. <laughs> We've probably missed off 50,000 debuts from AEW history. Please save your comments of why didn't you do this one. We'll come back and do it in another tier list. That's the beauty of the tier list. It's never, it's never ending. It's never going yes. to end. It's never gonna end. <laughs> uh, get in the bin. We have Butcher and the Blade. Big, uh, sorry, Paul White. Uh, Dark mm. Order and Matt Seidel. I think they're all justified to be in the bin, aren't they? I think so. Uh, just about bearable, we have Andrade. I think that's true as well. All right, middle of the road, we have Matt Hardy, we have Christian Cage, we have Miro and FTR. That sounds about right as well. Yeah. Tricky Ricky Starks, Jake Hager, Good Brothers and uh, Proud and Powerful in Lovely, Lovely, Lovely. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, finally, in the know. best, we need to rank these. We need to find oh, out. We're ranking the best of the we best. Need, okay. We need to find out which is the best. The best of Brody Lee. Is Awesome Kong better than Brody Lee's debut? Um, just the debut itself, I prefer Awesome Kongs, but obviously Brody Lee was fantastic in his run. So just on debuts alone, just debuts alone, isn't it? Yeah, just debuts alone. I've got to go for Awesome Kong with the bias that I was there. Yeah, it was an amazing moment. Like, yeah, it was class. Shame what came afterwards, but uh, Kenta was his debut better than Awesome Kongs? No, no. Brian Cage was his debut better than Awesome <sighs> Kongs? Maybe, maybe. If there was a, was there, there wasn't a live there wasn't a big live crowd for Brian Cage. There was, was a, there? Few, a few people. There. I don't know what the rules were back then, but uh, was, but it wasn't like a nah. packed out. It would have been way, had, yeah, would have been way better if there was a live crowd. I think. Um, I'll put. I'd I'd still go with Kong. Moxley, I'll just shift it now. Moxley's better than Awesome Kong, yeah. Kingston over Moxley. No, but over Awesome Kong, I'd say potentially. We'll move Eddie Kingston up the second, and then finally. Ying. Over John Moxley. That was Sting, by the what way. What was that? Oh, Sting. Uh, no, no, not over John I just, Moxley. I find that Tony just lose, loses more enthusiasm week on week on week. Every single time he it's has to... Sting. Sting. <laughs> there we have it then. Yeah. John Moxley has the best debut in the history of AEW in the professional opinion of Jack the Jobber of Cultaholic Wrestling. I agree as well, to be fair. So there you oh, go. Tell us how wrong we are in the comments down below. Thank you for watching the latest installment of this tier ranking malarkey. We'll see you in two weeks for some more tier ranking stuff. Let me know what you want to see from future tier ranking stuff because, of course, Cultaholic is here to please the fans and put smiles on people's faces. Any closing remarks? Um, just 
What a, what a bunch of debuts there, eh? Aye, cracking. Great stuff. We'll see you later. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 